as you have worked your way through this passage. Matthew 2, verse 1. The Bible said, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor." that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, wise men, he inquired of them diligently, <clears throat> excuse me, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Thank you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight, for just a little while, I want us to learn, glean from these wise men, and learn a little bit about how God brings people to Himself and how God works to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we have gathered here, we want to thank you, Lord, for this time of the year. And I want to thank you, Lord, for what this time of the year means to our hearts tonight. That you would love us enough that you would give your son. That you would love us enough, Lord, that you would become a human being. You would become man. That you would love us enough that you would robe yourself in human flesh. That you might be identified with a human race. That you might become one of us. That you might die for us on the cross. And so, Father, we thank you for everything that Christmas represents. Thank you for this wonderful story. I pray tonight that you'll make it a fresh truth to our hearts tonight and a fresh story that we'll glean from it and be reminded of what Christmas is all about and the work of God to bring men to Jesus Christ. So fill us with the Spirit of God, cleanse us of all sin, that we be not a hindrance to anything you would want to say or do. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things Amen. When I read the story of these wise men in Matthew 2, I think about a story that someone sent me not too long ago. There was this fellow from up north that was traveling through a small southern town. And he was fascinated with a nativity scene that he saw in the city square. He could tell by looking at it that a lot of time and much skill had gone into the preparing of the nativity scene. But yet there was one feature about the nativity scene that puzzled him. All of the wise men were wearing firemen's helmets. 
He didn't understand what that was, and so he wondered about it. He stopped at the edge of town, a little quick stop, went in to get him something to drink, and as he walked up to the counter, he asked the lady at the counter about it. And she looked at him, and she said, You're from up north, aren't you? And he said, Yes, I am. And she said, You Yankees don't know anything about your Bible. And she reached down under the counter and pulled her Bible out and began thumbing through the Bible. And finally she came to a verse and she put her finger on that verse and said, Look, the Bible said the wise men came from afar. Some of you get that in a little while. About 30 minutes from now. Well, down south, if the building catches on far, we call farming. But I'm not so sure that was the occupation of the wise men. But you have the wonderful story in Matthew chapter 2 about these wise men. In fact, Matthew is the only one that gives the account of the wise men. Now, we know a little bit about the wise men from what is given to us in Matthew 2, but there's some things we don't know about them. Tradition tells us that there were three wise men, and I think that's due to the fact there were three gifts that were presented in Matthew 2, whether they were two wise men, three, four, or a dozen. We have no idea. But tradition seems to say there were three wise men. Also, tradition has given them names. For example, one name, many believe, or the tradition says that one of the wise men's name was Caspar, C-A-S-P-A-R. And another was Balthazar, B-A-L-T-H-A-S-A-R. And a third one was named Melchior. Well, whether that's their names or not, whether they're three, we have no idea. I remember a number of years ago when I was going through Germany and I stopped in Cologne. I had to change trains in Cologne. And there's a huge cathedral right in the middle of town. In fact, when you come through Cologne on the train, that's one of the first things you see is the spires of this big German cathedral. But what is so interesting about the cathedral there is they have in a box, supposedly, the three skulls of these wise men. I would say that is debatable. But here we find in Matthew chapter 2 the story of the wise men. Who they are, it really doesn't matter. How many they are, it really doesn't matter. But you have the story of the wise men. When you read the story, you'll find that there are two primary features in the story. There is a star and there is the sun. And you find the star bringing the wise men to the sun. You notice in verse 9, we read it just a moment ago, and the latter part said that the star, they saw the star which they saw in the east, it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Again, you have a star and you have the sun. You have a star that leads the wise men to the child, the son of God, the son of Mary, as we find as a young child in the story. As I thought about Matthew 2 and thought about this familiar story, and I preached from it a number of times through the years about what to give Jesus for Christmas and gifts to give to God and different things like that, but my heart seemed to be drawn to the fact that the star and the sun were the two primary features of the story and how God used the star to bring the wise man to the Son of God. And as I looked at the story of Matthew 2, I saw certain truths that illustrated how God brings people to himself. And what is the result when a man is brought to God? I want you to look at the story tonight. There are three simple things that I want to point out to you that you find in the story. And these three things are, number one, I look at Matthew 2 and I see men drawn to God. I look at Matthew 2 and I see these wise men bowing before the Christ child. But before you see them bowing before the Christ child, you find men that are drawn to God. 
The question is, how is it that they came to be where they are in, the, in, in, in verse 10 and 11? How is it that these wise men bow before the Son of God and present their gifts to God? You go back in the very beginning and you find men that are drawn by God. These were wise men that were drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I find in the story men drawn to Christ, men drawn by God, men drawn to God. And I find illustrated in what happened here how God works to bring people to himself. For example, I point out two things. When I see these wise men drawn to God, I think about the work of God to bring men to Christ. The work of God to bring men to Christ. You see, every one of us in this room tonight, how many of you are saved? Would you lift your hand? How many of you are saved? Would you say amen? Amen. amen? All right, I want you to realize something tonight. You're saved tonight because somewhere God began to work in your heart. You're a son of God because somewhere, sometime, someplace in your life, God began a work in you that brought you to the Son of God. I think about a statement Jesus made in John 6, He said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I think about another statement that he made in John 12, 32. He said, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, what did Jesus mean when he talked about drawing men unto himself? What did he mean when he said, If I, no man can come to me except I draw him. What did he mean when he said, If I am lifted up, I will draw men to me. The word draw that he used there is a word that literally means to drag. And it was a word that was often used by fishermen. It spoke of how they would drag their nets in, or we might say pulling their nets in. It's like they would drop their nets for a catch. And then, when they, then once they dropped their nets, then they would pull their nets in, bringing in that which they had caught. Jesus was saying, I will pull men unto myself. I will draw men unto myself. What am I talking about? What was Jesus talking about? He is talking about the work of God to bring men to Jesus Christ. You realize tonight that your coming to Jesus Christ was initiated by God? There's not a one of us in this room tonight that would have ever had any interest in God. They would have had no desire to come to God if somewhere God had not initiated the coming into our lives and coming to us. You see, our salvation started with God. It started with God back in eternity past. It started with God's work of drawing men to himself. Here's two wise men. They're searching for Christ. Verse 1 and 2 tells the story how they began to search to find the Christ child. But I remind you tonight, before they ever began to search for Christ, God had begun to draw them. He had put something in their heart that made them interested in the Christ child. He had done something in their heart that drew them to Jesus Christ and drew them to the city of Bethlehem. I'm talking about the work of God to bring men to Christ. You may call it Holy Spirit conviction. You may call it something else, but it's a matter of God pulling us in. I don't know about you, but I'm glad one day God dropped a heavenly net and he pulled me in. Amen? It's that work of God to bring us to Christ. But second of all, when I look at the story, I not only see the work of God to bring men to Christ, but the ways of God to bring men to Christ. The ways of God to bring men to Christ. For example, you notice in verse 2, 
The Bible speaks about a star. Verse 9, the Bible talks about a star. Verse 10, the Bible talks about a star. You know how God brought these wise men to himself? The whole objective of everything God was doing was to bring them to Christ. And there was a work of God to bring them to Christ. And the way God brought them to Christ was a star. Now, these men were magi. Magi, meaning these were the scholars of that day. These were men that studied the skies. These were men that studied the heavens. These were astrologers of that day. Very brilliant men. The, the scholars, the intellects of that hour. But again, there were people that studied the skies and the stars. And what is it that got their attention? There was a star. Maybe one night they're studying the skies and they see this unusual star in the sky. They recognize this to be a star they've never seen before. There is no record of this star. Nobody's ever sighted this star or recorded the sight of this star. They recognize that not only is this a new star, but there is something unique about that star. And they began that star, and God used that star to begin the search for the Christ child. You see, God used a star in the wise men's life to bring them to Jesus Christ. I think about God, how he works in us to bring us unto himself. But the ways of God, they vary from person to person. I'm sure tonight if I gave every one of you a chance to testify and talk about your pre-conversion days before you got saved, now we're to say to you, what was it that brought you to Jesus Christ? I'm sure all across this building there would be different stories. I remember my own heart as a teenager in North Carolina, and you often heard me say, we didn't go to church as a family. Uh, my mom and dad divorced and separated later on in life. But they begin to have problems, and we get in church for a while, and we go for a couple of months, and then we'd be out for two years, and then we get back in and go for a couple more months and be out at about two, three more years. So I never was in church all that much. But I remember as a teenage boy, about 16 years of age, I remember my brother had started going to a church over in town, brand new church, hadn't been started very long. And they were meeting over in the old tabernacle building in Boone. And my brother started going, and he started going Sunday morning and started going Sunday night and started going Wednesday night. And then Dad started going with him, and Dad was going a little bit more than he normally had through the years. And then here come my brother, 15 years old, and he comes in one night and walks in the bedroom and tells me that he surrendered to preach. I never heard of anybody 15 years old preaching. I never heard of that. But I cannot put in words how that jarred me that night when he told me that he had surrendered to preach and God had called him to preach. And then I remember right after that, me and some of the fellas, we were talking. And we used to have these old dirt bikes and, and we'd get home from school. The first thing we did, crank those bikes up and we'd run all over those mountains and, and we'd just go from daylight to dark if we were not in school. But I remember that evening, we were, one evening we were sitting up on a hill or somewhere. I don't remember exactly where we was, but we got to talking. And we got to talking about future things. We got to talking about prophecy. Now, we didn't know anything about prophecy. Hardly any of us went to church. Maybe one or two went because mom and dad made them go. But I mean, we got talking about prophecy. And again, we didn't know anything about prophecy and of all things for us to be talking about. But I don't know how we got on it. But I remember we all got throwing our little two bits in here, there, what we'd heard about this and what we'd heard about that. But I remember we got talking about a battle we'd heard about. And he got talking about how blood was going to flow to a horse's bridle. And I remember that day of fear filling my heart. And I remember over the next couple of weeks thinking about that matter and, and considering that and going over and over and over and over in my mind. 
And then on Easter Sunday, April the 2nd, 1972, a few weeks later, it was Easter Sunday, and all the family came in. And we all went to church that Sunday morning on Easter like normal families do. And I remember how God dealt with my heart. And that Sunday morning, I walked the aisle and got saved by the grace of God. You see, God uses different things to bring us to Christ. But I look back to my life, and I guess if there was one thing God used... It was a Sunday school teacher. You've heard me call his name, Phil Smalley. I hadn't seen Phil in years. I probably wouldn't know him if I saw him. And I say this to say this is why all you Sunday school teachers are so important. But I went that Sunday morning, April the 2nd, 1972. We was in that old block building. Had a four pot belly stoves. One back here, one up here, one back there, one up here. Wood shavings on the floor. Didn't have Sunday school rooms. He had a Sunday school class over in this corner of the choir. He had a Sunday school class in this corner of the choir. He had a Sunday school class right down here in the front. He had one back there and one back there. It's the only church I've ever gone to where you go to all the Sunday school classes at the same time. Can I get an amen? But the young people were sitting up here in this corner of the choir. When I was about 12 years old, I'd made a profession of faith. I'd been baptized. But I remember that Sunday morning, Phil came into the Sunday school, came to the class that day, big old fella. And he's a big old tall, muscular type fella. And he said, I want to do something different today. And he said, I want, he said, I'm going to start right down here. And I want you to tell me when you got saved. I want you to tell me how you got saved. And I want you to tell me what happened in your life when you got saved. And he started on the front row, and one after another, teenagers started giving their testimony. There's already four or five preacher boys in there, some 13, some 14, some 15, wild as buck rabbits. And I remember they started testifying and telling about when they got saved, telling about how they got saved. I was sitting on the far back row of the Sunday school class, and thank God about two people short, as Sunday school was up, they rang the bell, and I didn't have to say anything. But I remember sitting there that Sunday morning, and for the first time in my life, I realized something. I realized I was lost, and I realized that if I died, I'd go to hell. And it's that Sunday morning I got saved with the grace of God. God used that. Now, God has many ways of bringing us to himself. There is men drawn to God somewhere, get this, Somewhere out there in the past, God began to work in our heart, dealing with our hearts, drawing our hearts, convicting our hearts, casting out the net, and pulling us in, bringing us unto himself. For some, it may have been the sermon of a preacher. For another, it may have been the song by a singer. For somebody else, it may have been a soul winner that knocked on your door one night. Or it may have been somebody that just handed you a track down in the office. It may have been a family member that kept calling you and trying to get you to come to church. It may have been a little child that said, Daddy, won't you go to church with me? Or Papa, will you go to church with me on Sunday morning? It may have been a trial. It may have been a tragedy. It may have been something terrible in your life. But the ways of God to bring men to Jesus Christ. Somewhere, somehow, God got us thinking. Somewhere, somehow, God got us tired of the way we were living. Somewhere, somehow, God got us looking and God got us longing for something a lot better than what we'd been living. It's what God does to bring us to himself. Amen? It is the work of God to bring us to Jesus Christ. Men drawn to God. But look at something else in the story. You not only see men drawn by God, but you see men directed by God. If you notice verse 9 again, 
This star got their attention one day. God got their attention through a star. And God began to draw them. And they began to seek. And they began to search. And verse 9 said this star went before them, the latter part of verse 9, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now the Bible tells us these wise men were from the east. Now we don't know exactly in the east where they were from. East coast. I don't know if they were from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. I'm not sure exactly, but they were from the east. No, some believe they were from Babylon. Some believe they were from Arabia. Some believe they were from Persia. But wherever they were from, we know that it was a great distance. And some Bible scholars said their journey took them over a year to get to the Christ child. One day a star started shining in the sky. God got the attention of these astrologers with a star. And for over a year, they searched. For over a year, they traveled. For over a year, they journeyed. But finally, that star directed them to the Christ child. And the hour came when they were brought to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but thank God for that day when he finally brought us unto himself. Thank God for that day after God working in our hearts. Some of us, he hung our soul out over hell. Some of us, he de dealt with us and pleaded with us tenderly, but he drew us unto himself and to that crowning moment when we asked Jesus to save us by his grace. There was the hour when God brought us to Christ. There was the day that we met him. Verse 11 said, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child. This is who they'd been looking for. This is who they had been searching for for over a year. Now the hour come when they had been directed to Christ. The hour came when they met Christ. What was this hour like? Let me point out two things. One, the hour meant their search was over. Again, from the very beginning, they saw the star. There had been a longing in their heart to find the king of the Jews. From the moment God got their attention through a star, they looked for Christ. From the hour they saw that star, they longed for Christ. There had been a longing in their hearts. There had been a searching in their soul. But now that longing was satisfied. You see, the hour they met Christ meant their search was over. I've often described it this way. The soul of man is like a triangle. Here in each corner of that triangle up here, our soul is reserved for God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. Do you know what we try to do many times to satisfy the longing of our heart? We fill it with the world. You take that triangle and you put a round circle in there, that circle representing the world, and it'll fill up a big part of that triangle. But there's only one problem. You still got those corners that are empty. And you can take this old world and you can, you can try this of the world and you can go here in the world and you can bring all the world you want to in your life, but there's always going to be something missing in your life. Because God designed you and made you that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost live in you. And you'll never be happy until you and God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Ghost lives in your heart. The world will never satisfy. But I want you to know you come to Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Ghost moves in. It fills up that triangle and fills the longing of your heart. 
Men look for something to bring them joy. Men long for something to bring them happiness. All through this season, people will party. All through this season, people will drink and they'll do this and they'll do that just to be happy. And when it's all said and done, they're as miserable they were the night before. But I want you to know somebody that'll satisfy the deepest longing of your heart if you come to him and thank God one day he brought me to himself, pulled me in and filled my heart and I have never longed for anything else since then. Amen. Their search was over. But something else, notice verse 10, not only was their search over, but their soul was overflowing. Look at verse 10. And when they saw the star, and the verse there when talk about the star, when they saw the star and where it had brought them, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now think about it. For a year they had looked. For a year they had traveled. For a year they had searched. Now that moment came. If they'd been the average Baptist, they would have said, well, glory to God, we have found him. We have made it. We have arrived. We are here. No, the Bible said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Their soul overflowed. That which they had been longing for, that which they had been searching for, now they had found him and their soul rejoiced. I want you to know the Sunday morning I got saved in 1972, it felt like God had lifted Lookout Mountain off of my shoulders, lifted that burden and put a joy in my heart. Brought to Christ. Are you glad he brought you to himself one day? Aren't you glad that he reached out there one day and grabbed you by the nap of the neck and drew you unto himself and brought you to that hour when you said, yes, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. It is men drawn by God, men directed by God. But I'll tell you something else. Look at the third thing in the story. Men devoted to God. I'm going to tell you something. When, you, when a person gets saved, it'll have an impact on their life. The Holy Ghost will draw you. And God will use many ways to bring you to himself. And he'll pull you in and bring you to that moment that you accept him. But the moment you meet him, things will never be the same. You see the impact of their meeting Jesus for one thing. Verse 2, they had a brand new Lord. Notice verse 2 again. The Bible said they came to Jerusalem. And notice what they asked. Where is he? that is born king of the Jews. Now think about it for a moment. These men were from the east, meaning these were Gentiles. Now it's not only interesting the star got their attention, but the star got their attention to the point that all they were interested in was the king of the Jews. They were Gentiles, not Jewish men, Gentiles. But they are only interested in knowing the king of the Jews, and so they look for the king of the Jews. And finally, in verse 11, they found the king of the Jews, and the Bible said they fell down and worshipped him. It is no longer the king of the Gentiles they're interested in. It is no longer the king of Babylon they're interested in. It is no longer the king of Arabia they're interested in. It is no longer the king of Persia they're interested in. They're interested in the king of Jews. They got a new Lord. I won't tell you something. I lived according to Satan's wishes for 16 and a half years of my life. But that Sunday morning, I found a new Lord. When I fell at his feet and acknowledged him as who he was, he became Lord. They had a new Lord. Second of all, they had a new loyalty. 
Pray notice in verse 11, the latter part of verse 11, the Bible said, they, when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, they were not only presenting him with gifts such as gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but the falling down and worshiping him and the act of giving was, in effect, they were saying, we acknowledge you as our king. We are Gentiles, but you are king. And we acknowledge you as king. And as they bowed before him and worshiped him, they were, in effect, saying, and we are your subjects. We are at your command. What you want us to do, we'll do. You see, they not only had a new Lord, but they had a new loyalty. Their whole life was transformed. Now they wanted to obey this king. I'm going to tell you something. Save people, follow Jesus Christ. Save people, have a desire to live for God. Save people want to serve God. Save people want to obey God. Save people want to glorify God. I'm going to tell you something. If you have really been saved, there's something in your heart that says he is Lord. And there's something in you that says I want to follow him. There's something in you that says I want to obey him. There's something in you that says I want to please him in all things. I'd say to you tonight, I don't care how many professions of faith you've made, how many times you've been baptized, if you've never had a serve God, never had a desire to follow God, never had a desire to honor God, it makes me wonder if you've ever been brought to the Christ child. Because when you come to him, he'll be Lord, and when he is Lord, you'll do whatever he wants. Amen? There's a third thing I see in the story. Not only did they have a new Lord, and not only a new loyalty, but look in verse 12, they also had a new life. And I play off this action in verse 12. For the Bible said, in being warned of God in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country, I love these two words, another way. I'm going to tell you something. On April the 2nd, 1972, God had been using this event and been using that, and he topped it all off that Sunday morning with a Sunday school teacher and his unusual method in Sunday school and that day he topped it off and he made me see myself and I walked down that aisle and got saved with the grace of God. I want to assure you of one thing. I don't know a whole lot. I don't have good sense. But when I walked out of that tabernacle that Sunday morning, I went a different way. When I come out of there that Sunday morning, something had happened in my life. I had met the king. I had met the Lord. And the impact of that meeting totally sent me going in a different direction. I remember leaving there. you got to understand, I've told this before, but you got to understand how we were as teenage boys. We were not religious boys. And most of us didn't grow up in religious homes. And we were not candidates for the finer schools of our state. Can I get an amen right there? But I remember that Sunday morning when I left, everybody, on Sunday afternoon, Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday night, Wednesday nights, Tuesday night, Monday night. If you wanted to find us, you always found us at the Hilltop Drive-In. And I remember that Sunday morning, I went straight home. And the first thing I did, the only one there found me, didn't go to church that morning, was my mom. And I walked in that Sunday morning, and, or that home after, went, walked into the house, and mom was at the kitchen sink. I went straight up to her, and I said, Mom, guess what happened to me today? And she said, what? I said, I got saved. And she stood there, and I noticed her eyes moistened up a little bit with tears. Mom's not saved the time. 
And I said, I'm going to the hilltop. She said, we're fixing it. I said, I'll be back in just a moment. I rushed up to the hilltop drive-in, walked into the dining room. Over here in the booth sat the four or five fellas that you usually found me with. I walked up to the booth, and I, listened. I wasn't embarrassed. I was so excited. God had saved me. I'd met the king. He had had an impact on my life. I walked up to the booth. I said, fellas, guess what happened to me this morning? And they said, what? I said, I got saved today. You know what? They didn't want not a one of them say a word. Nobody said amen. Nobody said, well, glory to God. Nobody shouted about it. They just looked at me, just sat there and looked at me. And I said, I just wanted to come up and tell you. Went back to the house. Went to my neighbor the next, that afternoon, Jimmy. Knocked on his door and said, Jimmy, I got saved today. I want you to go to church with me tonight. And he looked at me kind of funny, and I talked him into going. And when the invitation was given that night, Jimmy walked down and got saved with the grace of God. But I'm going to tell you something. I'll say it again. When I walked out of that tabernacle on April the 2nd, 1972, I went a different way. Jesus had made a change in my life. I'm saying to you tonight, here's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about, it's not about gifts, Though I love the gifts, I love gifts. I even love giving them once in a while. Say amen. I love the presents. I love the Christmas trees. I even love Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I love all that stuff about Christmas. I, I prefer the version Randolph the bow-legged cowboy over Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I'll sing that for you one of these days. But I love everything about Christmas. Families getting together. I love it all. But here's what Christmas is all about. God looked down and he saw a world going to hell. And he loved that world and he clothed himself in humanity. And when he came, his objective was to seek and to save that which was lost. He gave himself, his son. He was born of a virgin. He was a sinless son of God that died on the cross. That's what Calvary's all about, that he might pull us in Give us a new Lord and send us going in a different way. That, friend, is what Christmas is all about. Sunday or, Sunday or Monday, whenever you get together with your families, you're sitting around there opening your presents and you're looking at socks that you don't have anything that'll match and you're looking at ties that you know you can't wear and you're thinking, my boss man, I'll give this to my boss man when I go back, this, that, and the other. I want you to just let your mind go back. And while you're sitting around the tree, I want you to remember how you used to be. But one day somebody got a hold of you and you felt a net begin to pull you in and he brought you to himself. And just remember, if it hadn't been for Christmas, there wouldn't have been an April the 2nd, 1972. There wouldn't have been an altar. There wouldn't have been a day you got saved. And just remember that. I promise you one thing. If you'll think about Christmas and what it really is, it won't make a hill of beans to you if you get what you want, if you don't get what you want. It won't make a hill of beans in the world just to know that God is your Savior and you're His child. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Take your prayer sheet. Look at it. And let's remember these things in prayer tonight. I want you to look at our missionary of the week, Roger and Stacy Kennard. Or the Jim Kennard, we've had him here before. Dear missionary, this is his son. They're serving in the Caribbean. And Antigua with BIMI, the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We want to pray for the Kennard family tonight. Our church of the week is Corvin Road Baptist in Dayton. Brother David Burkhart, one of our own here. Brother David, the reason I wanted to put him on here, 
Uh, Brother David, I believe it was last Sunday or last Wednesday, uh, he blacked out. I called him one night, check on Sally Zoo. He blacked out and they said he had a seizure or something. He went to the hospital. They've done some tests and haven't been able to find anything. But we all love Brother David around here and I wanted to mention him tonight as our church of the week and to be praying for him. And then our hospital is Juanita Warnick. She'll be coming home tomorrow. And then as you see at the bottom of your page, Juanita, her stepmother, passed away and uh, Bessie Deems and they'll be receiving friends from of course this afternoon then tomorrow from two to four and then six to nine on Friday or the funeral is Friday at one o'clock at Heritage in Fort Oglethorpe. We want to remember Juanita and pray for her also Barbara Cole I want to pray for her and Bobby's daughter we've been praying for her so much and let's pray that God begins to drag Barbara to the Lord and then uh, Louise Smedley, this is Patty Williams' mother, and Charleston want to pray for her. And then a couple of other deaths in the family. One of the little girls, one of the ladies that came with the groves, uh, Gail, she went home to be at the Lord. We all love these uh, young ladies from uh, Orange Grove. But Gail, she passed away, and her funeral was on Sunday. I want to remember her. Eric Price, one of our young men, his grandmother passed away, and the funeral is tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Wilson's Funeral Home. And then again, Juanita Warnick's. Uh, stepmother Bessie Dean. So if you want to pray for all of these, do so. Three things I want you to do when you come. <clears throat> I want you to pray for the Canards. Ask God to bless the work of God in the Caribbean. Two, let's pray for Corvin Road, Brother David. And thirdly, I want you to come tonight. And I want you to thank God for His work to bring people to Jesus. Thank Him for convicting you. Thank Him for drawing you. Thank Him for saving you. Thank Him tonight. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Will you thank Him for what Christmas is all about? Let's come, all of you that will. Let's come, gather around this altar. Let's take these requests to the Lord tonight. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that God will work in all of these things. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name as we come, we come tonight to pray for our special request, for our missionary of the week, we pray tonight for the Canards and their work in Antigua, the Caribbean ministry they have there. I pray, God, tonight for the Canards that you bless them, this young couple that is serving you. What a blessing to see a father that has served God for the years, through the years, now to see his son serving you. Bless the work there, God. Open hearts to the gospel. Soften hearts to the gospel. And then tonight, Lord, we pray for our church of the week. Thank you for Brother David and Linda. Thank you for the blessing they were here for a number of years. And thank you, Lord, for the work you put them in, for how you're blessing that work. We pray, God, you continue to bless Corvin Road. I pray, dear God, that you just let it grow and prosper and the hand of God would be upon it. And wonderful things will be done. For David, we pray you touch him. You know, his physical need, if there be one, I pray, God, you touch him and to watch over him and meet his need. And then, Lord, I want to thank you now for drawing us to you. Father, there wouldn't be one of us here tonight to bless your name and to worship you if you hadn't somewhere came to us and began to deal with our hearts and draw us to Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for that moment, the hour when we met you, and what a difference it made, and how our lives were changed. We went another way because of that meeting. We ask you now, God, help us not to forget what Christmas is all about during these holidays. May we love Jesus 
May we worship Jesus in it all. And every little gift, may we see the gift of God's Son. And every Christmas tree, may we be reminded of the tree on which He died. Lord, everything we see, may it remind us of what Christmas is all about, that God came to seek and to save that which was lost. For these other special requests, we pray God to be with them. Pray you be with Juanita as she comes home tomorrow and then in the death of her mother. And then, Lord, for uh, Eric and the death of his grandmother. For all of these needs, we pray you bless them. And then be with us on Sunday. May it be a great day. May the presence and the power of God be on the services. May we meet you in a very special way, in an unusual way. Lord, I pray you just touch us now and we'll bless you and thank you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you glad you came to church on Wednesday night? Say amen. Don't forget Sunday. Everybody, try to get someone here. Let's pray that the snow, let's, let's pray that Atlanta gets 20 foot. We don't get anything. Let's pray that God gives it all to all those folks that want it, not us. Let's pray we have a great day. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship. If you haven't met Aaron, be sure to go by and introduce yourself. And if you have, come by and tell him we're glad to have him here. And, and he'll be moving here on the 30th, so you get by. There's a wedding Goddard. He's come to get healed tonight. Amen, Ed. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship. Mr. your lady. Where you headed?